Beautiful. What a declaration. There's numbers beside you, God. And in that time of communion, I hope that was a blessing to you. And we shared last couple of weeks ago on why we take communion. And it is time to remember, a time of remembrance. And so I'm praying that was a blessing as you remembered the goodness and the victory and the love of God and how He has welcomed you home. And uh, it's my privilege to welcome Brett Gottel this morning. I met Bretto a while ago. I might have been, um, I can't remember when, but we went on a retreat together, didn't we, last December? And we had a wonderful time and um, got to catch some of Brett's heart. And um, I'm excited that he gets to share that with us this morning. You man mountain. Someone said to me, someone someone said to me this morning, I didn't know Billy Conley was here to preach. Um, I haven't heard that before. (laughs) Anyway, have at it. I just wish I was as funny. Uh, thank you, everyone. It's a privilege to be here, um, to come and, and to, to share life and to share stories and to just be, it's, you know what, it is just a genuine privilege to stand before a group of people and, and share life and share story. I was thinking in the announcements before when Dave um, was doing the announcement, he goes, Bretto put out a thing about giving this week. I'm thinking, I didn't put anything out the King's Way about giving. And Joe's sitting next to me, goes, did you put something out about giving this week? I mean, I didn't put anything out. Me. Oh, it's Bretto White. It's B1 and I'm B2. So that's how, how it works. I was with the, uh, your staff team, your pastoral team, a couple of months ago, and um, having a lunch with, with them. And I remember being with uh, that, your, your pastoral team and the joy that was in the room because of the spiritual health that is vibrating in the life of this church. And, uh, and they were so excited and they were praising God and there is such a love for this church from your pastoral team and I was there to experience that. And my prayer this morning is that that spiritual health and the life of the Spirit will continue to vibrate through the life of the church here again this morning. Don't we want that? Of course we do, we do. So yes, Dave has come and asked me to speak about hospitality to you guys, but I hear that you do hospitality really well, and I'm kind of thinking, well, why are we, you know, um, what are you going to get from me? I probably should be listening to you about hospitality, but the fact of the matter is, I love it. I love hospitality, and so does my wife, uh, Jo, and so I'm so glad that I've been able to come here today and share with you on the topic of hospitality. I get excited for it. I love when a group of people, when people drop into our house unexpectedly and we just get to share life. We, Joe and I, we love that. Seriously love getting different groups of people together who don't know each other and just helping conversation flow and laughter happen and and watching um, people make new friendships. Like, I, I love hospitality. It makes me happy. Um, I love cooking food, uh, really tasty food, and watching people be blessed by that. And Joe cooks better food than me, and I get blessed by that all the time. And so we love hospitality, and it's a topic that I love to talk about. Uh, Up until a few uh, years ago, and for many years before that, Joe and I, we would have hundreds, literally hundreds of people in our house over a whole year, year after year after year, hundreds of people. We absolutely love it. So hospitality for me isn't just a a favourite topic. 
It's, just not, it's not just a, a nice idea, it's a, it's a lifestyle. And we froth it. With frothy's red wine and Fanta, we froth it. Love it. And here's why I, I, th- I think why it is for me. Why, why I think we've, we've developed a deep heart for hospitality. And when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in what would be known now as, as domestic violence. Uh, it, it was tra- traumatic, horrible days for sure, terrible season of life. And eventually my dad left us, um, but there were a few families in the church that we were going to who took our family under their wing and cared for us deeply. Uh, they invested their family into, into, into our family. They invited us in. They provided for our needs, our immediate needs for healing, for friendship, even maintenance around the house because we were too young to really know what to do. Um, we were safe with them. Uh, we shared life and food and, and, and laughter and prayer and encouragement with these guys. They loved us well, really well. And I remember that time, and I'll never forget this, and I often talk about this. I remember those days watching the men in those families who were hospitable towards us. And I remember watching those men going, oh, is that, is that, is that how a husband treats a wife? He doesn't threaten her. He doesn't make her frightened. He, he, he loves her. He cares for her. I, I want to be a husband like that. I want to be a man like that. Oh, I want to love like that. And I remember, I remember watching the men in those families with their children going, wow, is that how a father treats his son and his daughter? Doesn't tear them apart for making mistakes. Loves them. And when they answer back, they don't get frightened that they're going to lose their life. Oh, I want to be a father like that. I, I, I want to be a man like that. I want to love like that. And eventually, as we came through that season in our life, though in hindsight my mum was pretty poor, um, <clears throat> she, my mum, just practised hospitality. And we were coming into our teenage years and our young adult years, and so we had truckloads of friends and, and mates, and my mum would just take everybody in scallywag young people doing it tough. They found a safe place to land in their house and they ate around our table and we gave them shelter and our, our home with my mum came alive with people, people, more people, people, people. A constant stream of people for years. Loved it. I remember one night there was a knock on the door and I raced down and answered this door and there was this guy standing out at the door. He was about 30 years old. I said, oh, mate, come on up. And um, he came up and, you know, for the next couple of hours, stayed with our family, ate our food, told stories. He's the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. And he goes, after a couple of hours, he says to us, oh, look, you know, I should be probably on my way. Um, Mrs. will be probably wondering where I am. And we went, oh, okay. And see ya. And my parent, mum, said to me, so, Brett, who was that? I went, I have no idea. <laughs> and she goes, okay, so do you know who that was? And she went, no. 
It's like, so we, for hours we had this stranger in our house. It was one of the best nights of our life. It was so funny. And so again, hospitality for me uh, is not just a good idea. It's a lifestyle. And now for Joe and I, our whole, you know, um, we've hosted people from all walks of life, from all over Australia and around the world, some visitors, scallywag strugglers, young guys who've been kicked out of their homes and some just doing it tough and needing somewhere to land and some friends and family, all eating our food, drinking our wine, using our toilet paper, drinking our water, you know, eating up our stuff with absolutely no expectation for reciprocation. We just love having people streaming through our house, however they come. And we had one rule, and we still have one rule, that where possible, the answer is always yes. It's just always yes. Dad, can Jono stay over? Yep. Yes, he can. Mum, can Lizzie stay for dinner? Yes. She's here for the last five nights, but she can stay again. No problem. Yes. Dad, can Matt stay over for a couple of months? Well, well, we probably need to talk to his his parents, but yes. If it's okay, yeah. If he's doing it tough, yes. So Joe, my cousin's Dave, he's a farmer. He's passing through for the next few days. Do you mind if he just, he drops in and stays with us? Yeah. The answer is yes. We still have five mattresses ready to go and packets of sausages in the freezer just in case. And we have a really beautiful Asian dish with sausages just to fit everybody in because the answer is always yes. And now my kids do the same. They live the same way. Joe and I, we come home from holidays, there's a whole deck full of people and I go, mate, that's my heaven. And I grab my fancy and I'm out there enjoying their company. Love it. Uh, You know, biblically... Especially in the New Testament, hospitality isn't a choice. It's not our hospitality, it's just not our thing. That doesn't give us permission to keep the the front door shut or our lives shut. Biblically, hospitality is not relegated to the arena of the extrovert. It's one of the fullest expressions of love and conduits of the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of people. Let's dig in a bit. One of the Greek words for uh, hospitality is philoxonia. Now, look, I don't know Greek, right? So I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. But that, that's the word that I... There's a couple of them. Flexonia. Which literally means lovers of strangers. So when we're talking about hospitality, that's what we're talking about. Lovers, loving strangers. In other words, according to the Bible, hospitality doesn't just refer to hosting our friends and our family and the people that we're most comfortable with. It means lovers of strangers. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 13, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show love to strangers. That's what Jesus, uh, Paul's expectation was for the Christian church because they all travelled around. It was, it was cultural, but mate, more than anything, show love to strangers. 
Hebrews chapter, two, uh, chapter 13, verse 2. Do not neglect showing love to strangers. Hospitality. For thereby some have entertained angels unawares. I love this one. I haven't got it on the screen here. I just forgot to put the slide together. 1 Timothy 3, 2. Like we use this all the time for the, you know, for the parameters of leadership. These are what we expect for our leaders, that an overseer must be above reproach, that they've got to be, you know, sexually pure, sober-minded, all this stuff is good, self-controlled, respectable, and Philoxonia, they have to be lovers of strangers. How often do we hear that one come up when we're looking for leaders? Oh, and able to teach. The other word, which is an interesting word, is dekamai which literally means um, to receive, um, to, ex- you know, to, to accept into your life, uh, to take with, with the hand, give ear to, to be seen. You ever been a, into a room of people and just gone, right, mate, where do I fit? Like, how do I, how do I belong here? How do I find, how do I get in? And you stand there like, like seriously alone, feeling extraordinarily awkward. Do you know why? Because you haven't been decamide. <laughs> That's why. No one has seen you, like seen you, heard you. Dekamai means to receive strangers, listen to this, I love this, receive strangers into your family to bring them up, to educate them. Wow. So in other words, hospitality is the action of love that takes strangers in, especially those who who are in need, the poor, the wounded, the needy, the unworthy. Take them by the hand. Embrace them as in your own family without them having any knowledge of your identity, your beliefs, your lifestyle, uh, your values. And you bring them into your family to bring them up, enabling those people to thrive. Decamai. It doesn't kick those who failed to the curb, who have sinned to the curb, who've mismanaged their lives to the curb. It takes them in as family to bring them up. How do we know this? Come on. How do we know this? Because God is the greatest host of all, is he not? Hasn't he taken us in? Because we see God coming in the person of Jesus and literally taking strangers, people by the hand. He's seen them. He hears them. The squandering prodigal, the drunkards, leopards, prostitutes, irreligious, despicable, hurting, wounded, widow, the poor, the orphan, even the murdering Pharisee. And embracing all of them and all of us into his family in order to bring us up and to educate us and to immerse us in our true identity as deeply loved sons and daughters of the Father. 
Take them on. Yeah. We sit here this morning, mate, loved in the family, provided for as his own, total strangers. While we were yet sinners, we were far from him. He took us, brought us up, immerses us in his values, in his identity, in his values. Jesus broke bread with strangers without discrimination. Drank the water of a despised Samaritan woman and then lived in her community for days. They showed him hospitality. He ate lunch with the pompous and the arrogant. Shared a child's lunch with 20,000 people more than once. And completely transformed the life of a tiny, tacky tax collector. See, here's the thing. Sharing a meal with strangers is sharing our lives with them. Especially those who are far from Jesus, whether that's at home or at Macca's, at a pub or in cafe or at a barbecue or a car park picnic or the KFC or a lunchroom table. Sharing a meal with a person is the truest act of communion. It's a, com- it's a community coming together, communing together around a meal. It's a meal of grace. It's an invitation to friendship. It's an invitation to love. It's an invitation for belonging. It's not a sterilised, homogenised, pasteurised, stale piece of wafer and a thimbleful of Warm grape juice. Not that it ever happens here. I'm not saying that it happens here. I'm being disrespectful. I'm just saying that the true act of communion is a robust, loud, joy-filled, transcendent mystery of storytelling around meals where outsiders are invited in to celebrate Jesus at the centre of the community. That's hospitality. And so why do we do it? the question because it's not just a metaphor for the gospel of Jesus Christ it's the experience of the gospel no no records of wrongs can be kept when we're all sitting around the table together as one you can't count people's wrongs when we're doing that together mind-blowing forgiveness is encountered when we're all sitting around the same table it's beautiful Transformation is released. The lonely find friends. The hurting start to heal. Hope is reignited. Physical and spiritual needs are quenched. Worship is inspired. That's why we do it. That's why God expects it. Why does he expect it? Because that's exactly how he's treated me and you. Jesus has said to you, come on in. The answer is always yes. Always yes. Always yes. You belong to my family. And and I am now bringing you up in my likeness. Our Father, through Jesus Christ, has decamined and 
flexamide you to the full without finding fault in any way. He sees you and he hears you and communes with you. Hospitality, welcoming the stranger, sharing meals with those in need, is literally the gospel encountered. It's the power to change a person's life by love so that they can live differently and be changed by love so that they can live differently in order to change others by love so that they can live differently. It's hospitality. That's why we do it. <clears throat> At the beginning of this year... Um, Jesus, Jesus opened a miraculous door for me to join Kingsway Church's leadership team, working alongside Dave and Brookie and Brett, getting to know a few people. It's awesome. Um, called me in to uh, add to what we're doing as Kingsway Churches and to lead a microchurch movement as part of Kingsway Churches. Microchurches are micro. Um, they're small. Which means they're flexible, nimble and highly adaptable churches that can be cast into missional contexts to do church where most churches can't do church. And they're small, no more than 20, 25 people gathering together and called into mission, and we're calling these micro churches seed churches, like tiny seeds. Seed churches are based on the parable of the sower. We know that parable, don't we? The small communities of diverse people who are being continually transformed and informed by Jesus' love to live differently. That's the core why of a seed church. Or any Kingsway church. Their very lives are God's word. They're, that's the seed, like the seed in the parable is God's word. Our very lives are God's word, read by people as the gospel before they read the Bible. And as the parable of the sower, these churches will be cast like seed indiscriminately and generously into the nooks and into the crannies of society, into pubs and clubs and cafes and homes and neighbourhoods and sporty groups. I mean, you name it, they'll go to places where I can't go. To grow where larger style Sunday event type churches will struggle. They're not in competition with the traditional church in any way. They're just being cast, thrown into new missional contexts to bring new expressions of church in those places for those people so it makes sense to them. And as with the parable of the sower, some will fail immediately. This won't work. It's okay. That's an expectation. And some will last for a season. And others will send down really healthy roots into good soil. And they'll grow. And they'll, they'll bear more kingdom seed. Lives that people can read the gospel through. 
and they'll multiply and be cast into other missional nooks and crannies to create safe and sacred communities in those places. And opportunities for people to experience Jesus and taste and see that God is good. And as it is with Caring Bar here, hospitality will be the donkey we ride into the lives of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Food, the invitation for all to sit around the same table eating the same food together around a meal of grace without discrimination. Welcoming the stranger's family will be at the very heart of a seed church community, as it is here. Two things, just to finish with, Tavo. The first one is this, can you pray for this movement? I mean, really pray. Like, genuinely, like, if you're a prayerless person, can you put it on, put, can you dot point it? Um, we just need God's hand, his anointing, his, 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 his approvals on it. He's wanting him to raise up new leaders, missional leaders that can lead these seed churches and the resources and the people to be able to drive this forward. Can you pray for this? Let's really put that out this morning. I'd love you to pray for us. And the second thing that I want to finish on, finish on is this. This week, this week, when it comes to hospitality, go further than the people who you know and are comfortable with. Go further. Be countercultural. Welcome the stranger. Who knows? You may even be welcoming an angel. Let me pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you for the privilege it is to share your heart, to be passionate about the things that you're passionate about, to be moved by the things that move you. Oh, you love this world. Lord, all of us, Lord, all of us have kind of like obviously missed the mark. But through the cross, your life, Jesus, and your death and your resurrection, Lord, you breathe your resurrected life onto people. You welcome us and you host us. And you bring us up in your likeness as true sons and daughters of the Father. That is a miracle. And we praise you and we thank you that we get to participate in that, in that, in that same life. Thank you, Lord, that... Um, you have called Kingsway churches to drive forward with microchurches. They will be healthy, sent, safe, sacred places for people who don't know you yet to come into the full knowledge of your deep love and grace for them, that they would be, that people would be invited in and welcomed into those little families. That we will have a chance to bring people up in you disciple them we call it today so that they will know your grace know your love know your resources Lord know your forgiveness
and be set free to, to, to love and live differently. We praise you and we love you so much, Jesus.